Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Today's April 14, 2017. I'm Charlie Wright, and we'd like to welcome our special guest today, Jan Bresk, Jan Bresky, founder, managing director, and chief investment officer of Arixa Capital. Uh, Jan speaks to us from the headquarters on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. Jan, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Good afternoon, Charlie. Thank you very much. So, Jan, uh, we have two things to talk about. First, we're going to talk about Arixa Capital. You guys, uh, for the past 10-plus years, have been making loans, first trust deed loans, to developers for residential and now commercial properties. These are typically bridge loans uh, lasting 12 to 15 months. You guys raise funds from private investors with the goal of providing a higher-than-market income flow today. Number two, we'll be talking about you guys again sponsoring, being the only sponsor, I understand, of the upcoming 11th Annual Real Estate Symposium at UCLA, and that is scheduled for April 26th. So let's start with Arixa Capital. Give us a brief background of yours, will you, Jan? Absolutely. I started Arixa Capital 11 years ago, and we started our first fund seven and a half years ago, making senior loans. I was lending money to investors and developers who were buying houses from banks and in foreclosure sales. They would fix them and resell them, and I was their senior lender in our funds. And that continues to be our business today. The business has evolved a little bit in that we're now financing all kinds of redevelopment projects in urban California coastal markets like L.A., San Francisco, San Diego, and Orange County. But um, we really stuck to our knitting, kept doing what we do, and um, it's, a, it's a business that I think has a, a real legs over the next 20 years as all of these older World War II-era buildings need to be really reimagined, renovated, rethought by um, uh, small developers such as our borrowers. So uh, you loan to small developers so that this is not an equity position investment, correct? These are loans. Correct. We typically loan about 75% of cost, which works out to be about 60% or so of the value of the property when it's completed. The reason for the difference is the profit margin that our developers plan to make and in the great majority of cases do make. Okay, and these developers, I presume these are not names that most of us would recognize. These are small-time developers who go into uh, remodelers, many of us would say. Is that typically the case, or are these spec homes where they're starting with raw land and building? So we've done about 650 loans over the seven and a half years, and the great majority of those are remodels, if you will. Um, But in the last year or two, they have typically also involved adding square footage. So you imagine a small bungalow-style house in Venice, California, 1,500 square feet. Now the land is tremendously valuable. You know, it's located close to the best jobs. And our borrower would typically be adding maybe 1,000 square feet to that. Um, so uh, we're, we're increasingly doing a little bit more uh, ground-up construction, but we're quite selective about that. We really only want to do that with our 
most reliable borrowers with whom we have the most history. And is this residential only, or are you now moving into commercial? We like to focus on projects that have a residential element to them. So it could be single-family homes, uh, which has been our history for most of the past seven and a half years. It could be an apartment building renovation loan. We've been active with that recently. It could be a small lot subdivision project where somebody is, let's say, buying two duplexes next to each other, and maybe their plan is to build five townhomes, and that's a project that we have financed successfully as well. Or even a mixed-use project. We have one in San Francisco, which was a gas station site right next to uh, light rail in the city of San Francisco, and all of these gas station sites are being redeveloped into small mixed-use buildings with uh, typically retail on the ground floor and then apartments or condos above, and we think that can be a good product type as well. The one thing that we really hang our hat on is being close to the best jobs. If we're doing, if we're investing money in a senior debt position close to the best jobs, we think that the volatility will be less when the next crisis comes around, which is inevitably will happen. Yeah, well, we're glad you recognize that, especially in the world in, in, of real estate here. So from an investor standpoint, when they invest uh, through you, are they investing into one particular piece of pro- one particular property, or do they invest in a pool of many properties? We have two active funds, uh, ERICSA branded funds, and each of them is a pool of uh, properties between 40 and 70 properties per fund. And uh, when somebody invests with us, they immediately own a percentage interest in each of those loans. So they own a, a portion of the entire portfolio immediately. And that helps with um, a few different things from the investor standpoint. The best thing, I think, is that they don't have to worry that when one loan pays off, now their money is sitting in the bank earning zero for three months while they try to find the next loan. We do that. We manage a pipeline of incoming loans all the time, as well as payoffs, and we make sure that the funds remain uh, well-invested and highly utilized so that they're earning money all the time, so that the investors get quite a consistent monthly distribution. And the duration of these loans again? Typically 12 months, uh, maybe as short as uh, three months. It could go out as long as 18 months uh, with extension options, maybe even two years. We've made loans in San Francisco, uh, which is notoriously difficult to develop there, so it's, um, it takes longer to get all the approvals that you need. So, uh, But really we keep it on average around 12 months. Okay, so so tell us now, to dig uh, into the kind of tall weeds here, Jan, uh, why would a borrower borrow money from you at higher rates like this rather than go to a bank where the rate is probably going to be half of what uh, you guys charge? Well, the main reason is speed. In our business, in these urban markets close to the best jobs, When a property goes on the market, frequently it hasn't been on the market for 10 or 20 years or or longer, 30 or 40 years. And um, there is a little bit of a frenzy among buyers to want to get their hands on that well-located piece of property, which hasn't been on the market in such a long time. And the only way to compete to actually buy the property is if you can go in with a relatively quick close and without a financing contingency. So we enable our 
borrowers to do that. And then um, sometimes our borrowers might refinance into a bank loan afterwards, into a bank construction loan, if they have the you know have the liquidity and all the requirements that banks have. Banks today are still not very excited about making loans on these heavy renovation projects that have no income during the renovation. But um, some of our borrowers work with banks as well. But frequently, they're you know they're more worried about smooth execution and dependability of their lender than the rate. If you look at the big scheme of things, let's say we charge um, 9% on a given loan and a bank would have charged 5.5. That is a difference for them, but remember our loan is not is only a portion of the project's value. So let's say the difference there is 4.5 percentage point difference or five, I guess it would be a three-and-a-half percentage point difference. It turns out that in the big scheme of things, the rate is not the most important thing to borrow. What's important is certainty of execution, speed. We do provide a little more leverage than banks do, so that helps them. We don't go crazy on the leverage, but that does help. And then being able to just know that, that, it, that the business is going to work, our borrowers make more money by working with us because they're able to do more projects, with less stress and less staff. When you deal with a bank, you have to have staff to deal with all the questions that the bank has because the bank is regulated the way that they are. So what, what I find is many of our borrowers can have fewer staff in-house when they work with us versus if they're working with a bank. And how do you protect the investors here, Jan? We need to be prepared to take back any property that we lend on at any time because there's no guarantees and our borrower could have uh, some kind of accident on the job site. Anything could happen. So we're prepared to take back the property, finish the project, lease it up if necessary, and sell it or, or put it on the market and sell it. And we're protected. Our margin of safety is the fact that we're lending 75% of cost is typically about 60% of value. That means there's a 40% margin of safety on our projects. So we might have to roll up our sleeves and get busy and finish the project, but unless the market drops more than 35% while we're foreclosing and doing what we need to do, we should be okay. So you really focus on the property. You don't really focus much on the developer or the person who's getting the loan. That's not exactly true, um, Charlie. The, the In our business, we need to care about both. So we do meet the borrowers at the property. We see the property and we meet the borrower and spend time with them because we really don't want to take back half-built or half-renovated homes or apartment buildings or condo projects or townhomes. It would clog up the gears a lot if we took back a lot of properties. So that makes us a little different from a typical hard money lender, which may just look at the property and say, I'm happy to take this back. We really don't want to take back properties. We want to be a relationship-based lender to California's best small urban uh, developers and renovators. And um, about 70% of our loans are repeat borrowers. And you've only mentioned uh, geographical locari- uh, lo- locations where you're involved in California. Do you uh, strictly work in California, the urban areas there? Well, we have made loans in uh, several other states where we had very good relationships with the borrower and knew of the borrower's capabilities. But 
We really believe in California, and we believe the economy here will remain um, a strong economy in the coming 10 to 20 years. And we see a very distinct need in California to redevelop this urban housing stock that we have close to the best jobs. So we certainly have had many opportunities to go national, but our game plan is to stay laser-focused on the markets that we've served over the past seven and a half years, which is California's urban coastal markets. The great thing is California, if it were a separate country, would be the sixth largest economy in the world. And yet the housing stock is not not up to snuff for that. So right, we're not here at all. Yeah. We're, we're here to help make make it better and help finance the dozens and dozens of small developers who will be very busy renovating and redeveloping these properties over the coming 20 years. Uh, Jan, uh, last question before we go to break here and, and change the subject. How do you see rising interest rates affecting your profitability? Well, um, that's a good question and a complex question. I think that, in short, um, when interest rates rise for the homes that are renovated and sold then to uh, families that want to buy the new home, the affordability is less when interest rates rise, right? So that, right. that could that could put pressure on housing values over time. Again, that's more our borrower's concern than ours because we, we, we only get paid the same amount whether the house sells for a big profit or a small profit. It doesn't make any difference to our returns. Um, in other words, we're insulated somewhat from that. But and also, further insulation is that if interest rates are rising, I think that's because the economy is actually doing better, and that means that will tend to be positive for housing in general, to have better employment, higher wages, et cetera. So um, the other aspect that's maybe more of a direct uh, connection for us is one of our funds does use a bank line of credit for a portion of the capitalization of the fund. So. We um, borrow money from a bank for maybe a, a small portion of the fund, and then we lend it out, and then enhances the returns. If the rates go up, we uh, pay more to the bank because that's a floating rate line of credit. Our loans tend to be fixed rate; they're only twelve months, so the you know the risk is 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 pretty limited. But but our our market is becoming more co- competitive over time, so. I don't think we'll be able to pass through the rising interest rates to our borrowers. And so what that means is, on balance, if there's a little bit uh, less benefit we get from the leverage. However, we can mitigate that because we really don't use very much leverage at all in that fund. And if we slightly increase the amount of leverage that we're using in that fund, I think we can still make the return target of that fund, which has a 10% preferred return and has been delivering just a little over 10% since that fund was started about four years ago. Jan, another question that I I just thought of here, and we we need to be brief. What's the bigger challenge for you right now, raising money for new deals or finding good deals? A great question, Charlie. The biggest challenge is that we have to build a machine that can keep those two things in balance, and we're able to do both quite well, but making the machine work and making sure the quality of our service doesn't drop to any of our clients is the most important thing that we need to do. So it's neither finding money nor finding loans. It's really that there's no roadmap to build the type of business 
that we're building. We have to figure it out as we go. And so all the people aspects of that are tricky. And um, just the systems, you know, the systems have to keep improving and changing as the business grows. Jan, thank you very much. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the 11th Annual Real Estate Symposium at UCLA, which you guys sponsor, coming up on April 26th. Again, we're talking with Jan Bresky, Founder, Managing Director, and Chief Investment Officer of Arixa Capital in Los Angeles. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio and OC Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Jan Bresky, founder, managing director, and chief investment officer of Arixa Capital in Los Angeles. So, Jan, for the past 11 years, you guys have been, I understand, the sole sponsor for the annual real estate symposium at UCLA, which is coming up again on uh, April 26th. Tell us about that symposium, will you? Absolutely. And we are... The organizer of that event, we have been fortunate to have a number of sponsors actually since the beginning um, that that helped make sure that we could run the event and keep it affordable and make it a great value for everybody. But we we put the manpower behind the event. We recruit the speakers and we uh, rent the venue. So we're we're sort of the the presenter of the event, if you will. So this the story behind it is um, I was at a local uh, college alumni association meeting and the executive committee of my college alumni association asked me whether i could organize an event for our college that would be business related at the time i told them it would have to be a real estate related because that's really the only kind of business that i know anything about and i asked my then uh, employer a gentleman named sam freshman whether he would be on a panel. Then I reached out to Bill Lindsay, um, who had also gone to the same college that I went to, and he is a very um, talented uh, real estate investor, investment manager, and also a great speaker. He agreed to do it, and he referred me to Jesse Scharf, who's the co-head of the real estate um, department at Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher, the law firm. And Jesse is a very lively um, and excellent moderator. So we were lucky we happened to start with just the right chemistry and the event took off it started with 80 people the first year and in the last couple of years it's been a little over 400 that have attended and it's become a great tradition that we look forward to every year okay so so tell us uh, who should come and why the spirit of the event is to get a group of successful and experienced investors in front of the audience and ask them to be very candid about what's happening 
for their investment business today, what's working, what's not working, where they think the opportunities lie, um, what mistakes they made, what they regret doing in the past year, so that what makes this different from all the hundreds of other real estate events, if anything, is a, a lively panel who are true experts at what they do with decades of experience, and they're willing to be very candid and forthright so that people can learn to be better investors. And because it's learning-oriented, it has a collegial atmosphere which is different from many other events. So anybody who's interested in real estate investment should come. And we tend to get a huge number of people who are professionals in the commercial real estate industry. It's mostly commercial real estate-oriented, not so much single-family real estate. You know, all kinds of brokers, mortgage brokers, real estate investment bankers, lawyers, uh, accountants, anybody that has anything to do with real estate or just wants to network with other real estate investors and professionals should come. And are these uh, typically um, uh, institutional investors or or are they uh, private investors? Well, the panelists are institutional. The panelists each work for companies that have uh, billions of dollars of assets under management just in the real estate portfolio alone. Um, we've been fortunate to, to pick, you know, some of the leading um, firms in L.A. have sent their senior real estate people to this event over the years. But the investors who attend can be any kind of investor right? because I think that even if your real estate investment consists of buying a fourplex, it might be interesting to hear from the people that are on this panel as well. And I would think that uh, the fact that interest rates are rising and they're expected to rise uh, over the next several years, that uh, people should, you know, are, are very concerned about that and looking to see what others think um, will be the impact of these rising rates. Absolutely. Uh, That comes up uh, as a topic of discussion every year. Um, Another topic that comes up regularly is what's happening with securitization um, of real estate, CMBS, loan origination volume, which is one of the ways that larger projects get financed. But, you know, I think interest rates are a piece of the puzzle. Um, To me, they're not the overwhelming part of the puzzle, again, because I think in real estate, if you, if you buy a bond and interest rates go up, the value of the bond drops. There's nothing else to talk about. It's just that's what happens. I hear it all real the time. Estate, though, <laughs> but with, with, interest, with real estate, if interest rates go up, there's a lot of different feedback mechanisms. For example, if interest rates are going up because inflation is going up, certain types of real estate have long-term leases and, and others have short-term leases, so they might react differently to that. And in fact, inflationary environments can actually be good for real estate investors because if you buy a property for $10 million and you take a $6 million loan out and then inflation really kicks up, if you can raise your rents, now you have a $6 million debt, but the real value of that debt shrinks with every year that goes by, so you can do well with inflation. Okay, well, we appreciate that. So for those who would like to know more, what can they do? Well, the easiest way to get to our event is to go to our website, arixacapital.com. Spell Arixa for us, will you? Will do. A-R-I-X-A, capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L, dot com. Arixacapital.com. And right on the homepage is a link to the Eventbrite sign-up. One of the great things about this event is it's only about 30 to $40 to sign up. 
and you get beer, wine, hors d'oeuvres, an hour of networking, and then a great real estate panel. And we've tried to keep it really a good value for the people that come. That's one of the reasons it's been successful. Like your show, I think, Charlie, you're focusing on the value for the listener, and that's what I think leads to great content. And that's how we think about this event. We don't try to make a dime from it. In fact, we do spend you know, some money every year to produce this, and we don't get reimbursed for it. But that's fine because it's a great event, and um, it's been a great way for me to meet a lot of people in the industry over the years, which I really appreciate. Well, Jan, uh, we will be there actually doing some interviews, so uh, we look forward to that. And we'd like to congratulate you for reaching out to the community and offering this service every year, in fact, for the 11th straight year. So, Jan, uh, to finish up here, a couple of questions we like to ask to all of our guests. One, what keeps you awake at night? That simple. The one thing that keeps me awake at night is making bad loans. If I make loans that don't pay off or we can't recover all of our principal and some interest as well, I'm not doing my job. And I worry about, uh, it's like a chef, I worry about putting something out in front of my clients that's not up to par. And I, I have to constantly be vigilant to make sure that I don't make bad loans. Okay, and uh, number two, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Wow, I saw that on your list, and um, I will say this. When I first started working in real estate, I worked for a very well-known value-oriented real estate investor, uh, Sam Freshman, whom I mentioned before, and I made an attempt to document his style of value-oriented income property investment, and I wrote a book which is on Amazon.com about that. And it's called The Common Sense Guide to Real Estate Investing. And although it was quite some years ago, I think I did do a pretty thorough job of analyzing how did Sam, who has been investing for more than 50 years, make the investment decision. So if you want to learn about uh, that approach, value-oriented real estate investing, which is not what we do today. We don't buy property. We lend. But... I think there's some good stuff in the book. So uh, it's on Amazon. It's called The Common Sense Guide to Real Estate Investing, and the author is myself. Well, Jan, uh, thank you. If anyone's interested. Okay, thank you, and congratulations. Uh, We rarely have anybody on the show who has written their own book. And uh, so uh, did that work out well for you? Well, like everything, I, I, I think it's all part of a process. I don't really refer to it so often today. I don't give it out to people because... It's not what we're focused on today so much, but I like to learn uh, as I go, and I find that writing for me is a way of, of, of making sure that I'm get, grasping the lessons that, that are available. And so it was successful in that it's part of the journey, and, uh, and I've, I've sold some copies, and Every, every now and then somebody says, I read your book, and I really liked it, so I appreciate that. Hey, well, great. And, you know, we're all learning today uh, about, uh, you know, paying up front, paying forward, and giving first, and then expecting to receive. And it sounds like that's the model you have followed here. So uh, congratulations. So one more time for uh, our listeners, your website and contact information, if we can. Of course. Uh, the website is arixacapital.com, A-R-I-X-A-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. And my contact information, the easiest way to reach me is my phone, 
310-428-9109. You could call or text me there, and I would be delighted to speak with any of your uh, listeners and see how I could be of service and try to make it valuable introductions if possible. Yeah, and thank you very much for today. Uh, final words for our listeners, please. Well, I just think uh, what you're doing is great, Charlie. I think you're you're creating a great place for people to learn about alternative investing, and I think that that's very important in the years ahead because the old-school approach of buying stock and bond funds, I just don't think it's going to deliver the results that people need. So I want to compliment you on your program, and uh, I look forward to uh, becoming a listener going forward. Jan, thank you very much. We have thoroughly enjoyed having you here. Best of luck to uh, Rexa Capital as well as for the uh, 11th Annual Real Estate Symposium at UCLA coming up on April 26th. Hope that uh, works well for you. Again, we've been talking with Jan Bresky, Founder, Managing Director, and Chief Investment Officer of Rexa Capital in Los Angeles. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you an investment strategies you're not hearing elsewhere. This is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. 